too long, you know, Alyssa and I might just stick the microphone in front of your face. So, it's better to volunteer than be voluntold. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you. So this really is to be an interactive time. This is where we're practicing it. So we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think, what, what pictures the text brings to you when it's being read. So we're going to have five ladies that come up and read a portion of the book. And we decided to use um, kind of a classic part that you may or may not be familiar with, but it's when Christian and Hopeful go to Doubting Castle and they meet or are captured by giant despair. And they're stuck in the castle for four days. Interestingly, they get captured on a Wednesday and they don't get out till the Lord's Day. Um, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna leave it as a cliffhanger so you guys know. <laughs> you guys can figure it out if they get out or not. But um, so, the first part we're going to call The Walk is Sweet and Secure. And Carrie Conrad's going to come up and read the first section. If you look on page 92, either the hardcover co- hard or the softcover book, they both correspond. So um, look on page 92, and she's going to start us off. I saw then I saw then that they went on their way to a pleasant river which David the king called the river of God but John the river of the water of life Now their way lay just upon the bank of this river Here therefore Christian and his companion walked with great delight They drank also of the water of the river which was pleasant and enlivening to their weary spirits. Besides, on the banks of this river, on either side, were green trees that bore all manner of fruit, and the leaves of the trees were good for medicine. With the fruit of these trees, they were also delighted, and the leaves they ate to prevent surfeits and other diseases that are incident to those that heat their blood by travels. On either side of the river was also a meadow, curiously beautified with lilies, and it was green all the year long. In this meadow they lay down and slept, for here they might lie down safely. When they awoke, they gathered again of the fruit of the trees and drank again of the water of the river, and then lay down again to sleep. Thus they did several days and nights. Then they sang, Behold ye, how these crystal streams do glide to comfort pilgrims by the highway side. The meadows green, besides their fragrant smell, yield dainties for them. And he that can tell what pleasant fruit, yea, leaves these trees do yield, will soon sell all that he may buy this field. So when they were disposed to go on, for they were not as yet at their journey's end. They ate and drank and departed. Okay, so 
What are some things you notice about Christian and Hopeful's way from the text? Raise your hand and Alyssa and I What are some things that you notice about their way at this point? like Psalm 1, the verses, I mean, when he's talking about um, all manner of food and the leaves, it just reminds me of Psalm 1, as he was discussing that. The river of the water of life, of course, you look at John and how in the book of John, Jesus starts stepping in the water, drink from him. So. Good. Christy, up at the front. They were walking in great delight. Right. Right. Okay. What else? I would say many provisions for them. Right. Not only uh, to partake of, but just to enjoy, to look at. Oh, yeah. You just finished what I was going to say. It was. It was visually beautiful mm -hmm. and calming. Their spirits are weary, but it's, it's a pleasant walk, right? Even though their spirits are weary, the, the view is pleasant, the provisions are pleasant. So it's, it's not harsh or hard in the sense of, because uh, Christian has come through other places where it's very hard and he's fearful. This is, this is different. This is pleasant with the lilies and the greenery, and what else? Uh, it's a safe place for them to rest. Yeah, it's a safe place for them to rest. This is a special time. Bunyan references Psalm 23 to describe this way. Does anyone have that one memorized that you learned as a kid? you want to share? No one has it memorized? Come on. Someone has it memorized. Okay, Naomi's got it memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. Yep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Thank you. When is the time that your way has looked like pilgrims? or a Christian and Hopeful's way. Can you think of a time where your walk has looked like theirs? So think of the things that we just noticed. Their spirits are weary, but they're being provided for. It's beautiful. There's pleasantness. There's green trees with fruit. There's there's health, right? They have these fruits that minister to their physical needs. When are some things, or when are some times where 
your way has looked like their way. Could you share something, Therese? Uh, when I first became a Christian, I, and maybe even a year or two afterwards, I had lots of difficulty in my family. They didn't, they weren't real happy with me. And so I kind of was a little bit alone. And yet it was such a glorious time because it was early and I was enjoying Christ and um, God's word. And I just was so thrilled with this new life and um, God was just filling me with joy of mm -hmm. that. Praise the Lord. Who else? Right now, um, mm -hmm. for me, it's um, so my spirit is weary. It's it's a lot having a toddler and a newborn. And um, I know so many other mamas right in this room are going through the same thing. But it's I'm being provided for. And I'm being encouraged and loved by my sisters. Um, Again, so many right here in this room have been such a support and encouragement and prayed for me and with me um, and offered uh, meals. And I've had some lovely, lovely things given, uh, quilts and blankets for my baby. It's been, it's so helpful to have that backing and that love my sisters, even though I'm not, I may not do it, be doing 100% of what I want to be doing. Good. Anybody else? Miss Julia? I was going to, I'm kind of like Therese, where when I became a believer, I was one of those people that would um, lay awake at night, not fall asleep quickly, and just kind of think through too many things, and was a warrior, sin, sinner. And um, this was my experience as well, that I like love where it says, and they lay down again to sleep, because when I became a Christian, I was able to quit doing that, and that was just God. But having that hunger for the word and the being that they had here is what it reminds me of, and yeah. how precious that is to mm -hmm. recognize that it was God. This section reminds me of just retreats that we take as a women's ministry and just a purposeful time of several days of lots of rest and refreshment, and it's very delightful. Um, it's not all the time in our Christian walk, but you know, the Lord provides that at specific points, and it's yeah, very refreshing. Mm -hmm. So making the connection to Galatians 5, the walk is not always this way. This is more just even small times. So to not expect that our daily walk is going to be this refreshing <laughs> and healthy and sweet and secure and restful. But also saying that like you can also go through something like that, like a trial, and then look back and realize that even through it, the Lord was faithful. Right. Um, like traveling abroad for me, um, I kind of went astray and left my beliefs behind, and I was mad about a lot of things I didn't understand, and 
Um, I was in Australia, and so I was enjoying beauty and friends and freedom and a lot of fun, good people, and I was leaving the Lord out of it. And looking back, you see that when I came back home, I was drawn back in by the Lord. He drew my heart back in, and to see that I kind of wasted that, but he still, he was still with me through it, and he gave me those opportunities, and it in the end, made me closer to him. So looking back to see those trials and say, okay, even when I was mad at you, you were still there. You were still showing me your beauty, being faithful to me. Now I appreciate it more now that the relationship is right. You know, mm -hmm. back on, so. Yeah, good. Praise the Lord. What do we see Christian and hopeful? What What's their response to this way that God has placed them in? At the end of this section that Carrie read, what what's their response? We've named a couple of them. Like their weary spirits were enlivened. They sang. They didn't give up. They were disposed to go on. So they, they keep walking, right? Um, and I, I think the part, I think, was it Therese, did you say that they sang? I think that you'll, you'll see Christian doing this again and again throughout the book. In fact, even in our scene, he does it um, again. But we want to say that that's a practical way that we can apply uh, re responding to the walk that God's given us, whatever it is. And so in front of you, there's a hymnal. I want you to pull it out. You guys may have to share with each other. And we're going to sing a cappella right now because we want to show you how to practice one of these things. There's God, God purposefully did not give us our, yeah, nobody gets the mic. Uh, nobody has to be mic'd. Um, but this is something that you can practice at home by yourself or with others. Okay, tell me some of your favorite hymns or songs. Great is thy faithfulness. Is well with my soul. And can it be I'll hail the power. Blessed assurance. To God be the glory. In Christ alone. Holy, holy, holy. Okay, these are just some, right? We have books and books filled. We also have resources that th this hymnal that's here in the pews, it doesn't have some of the new ones that we sing. I wanted to show you guys, um, there's a hymnal called Hymns of Grace, and it's $20, I think. Um, and it has a lot of the, the newer hymns that we sing here. Uh, some of the ones that Sovereign Grace has written or the Gettys have written um, that are actually in here, so newer hymns. Um, but this is a great resource and response to minister to your soul and help you as you walk in the Spirit and help us as we walk in the Spirit together. One of the things our Titus 2 group has done early in the mornings on Friday is we sing. We're not very good. I mean, we have a couple of really good singers in our group, but some I can't 
figure out ever where to start, but we, we try and we just sing and it's, it's kind of awkward, but we always enjoy singing to the Lord. And so we're going to practice that right now. So we're going to pick great is thy faithfulness. And I didn't look up what page it's on. Do you guys know how to use the hymnal? If you go to the back, there's an index. 139. Thank you. Who's in choir? Gail? Naomi? I'm not leading from this mic, so somebody's got to start us off. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Lord. 
Okay, so that's one of the ways we can walk in the Spirit together is by singing to one another, singing with one another, singing by ourselves. That's what Colossians 3.16 encourages us to do. Okay, our next section, Michelle McConnell's going to come up and read. And this is, the walk is discouraging and a brother leads astray. And it's at the bottom of 92. Now I beheld in my dream that they had not journeyed far, but the river and the way for a time parted, at which they were not a little sorry, yet they durst not go out of the way. Now the way from the river was rough, and their feet tender by reason of their travels. So the souls of the pilgrims were much discouraged because of the way. Wherefore, still as they went on, they wished for a better way. Now a little before them, there was on the left hand of the road a meadow, and a stile to go over into it. And that meadow is called Bypath Meadow. Then said Christian to his fellow, If this meadow lieth along by our wayside, let's go over into it. Then he went to the stile to see, and behold, a path lay along by the way on the other side of the fence. It is according to my wish, said Christian. Here is the easiest going. Come, said Hopeful, and let us go over. Hopeful. But how if this path should lead us out of the way? Christian. That is not likely, said the other. Look. Doth it not go along by the wayside? So hopeful, being persuaded by his fellow, went after him over the stile. When they were gone over and were got into the path, they found it very easy for their feet. And with all they, looking before them, spied a man walking as they did, and his name was Vain Confidence. So they called after him and asked him whether that way led. He said, to the celestial gate. Look, said Christian, did I not tell you so? By this you may see we are right. So they followed, and he went before them. But behold, the night came on, and it grew very dark, so that they that went behind lost the sight of him that went before. He therefore that went before, vain confidence by name, not seeing the way before him, fell into a deep pit, which was on purpose there made by the prince of those grounds to catch vain glorious fools withal and was dashed in pieces with his fall. Now Christian and his fellow heard him fall, so they called to know the matter, but there was none to answer, only they heard a growing, a groaning. Then said Hopeful, where are we now? Then was his fellow silent, as mistrusting that he had led him out of the way. And now it began to rain and thunder and lighten in a most dreadful manner, and the water rose amain. Then Hopeful groaned in himself, saying, Oh, that I had kept on my way. Christian, who could have thought that this path should have led us out of the way? Hopeful, I was afraid, I was afraid on at the very first, and therefore gave you that gentle caution. I would have spoke plainer, but that you are older than I. Christian, good brother, be not offended. I am sorry I have brought thee out of the way, and that I have put thee into such eminent danger. Pray, my brother, forgive me. I did not do it out of an evil intent. Hopeful, be comforted, my brother, for I forgive thee, and believe, too, that this shall be for our good. Christian, I'm glad I have with me a merciful brother, but we must not stand thus. Let us try to go back again. Hopeful, but good brother, let me go before you. 
Christian, know if you please, let me go first, that if there be any danger, I may, I may be first therein, because by my means, we are both gone out of the way. Hopeful, no, said Hopeful, you shall not go first, for your mind, being troubled, may lead you out of the way again. Then for their encouragement, they heard the voice of one saying, let thine heart be toward the highway, even the way that thou wentest, turn again. But by this time, the waters were greatly risen, by reason of which the way of going back was very dangerous. Then I thought that it is easier going out of the way when we are in than going in when we are out. Yet they had ventured to go back, but it was so dark and the flood was so high that in their going back, they had liked to have been drowned nine or ten times. Neither could they, with all the skill they had, get again to the stile that night. Wherefore, at last, lighting under a little shelter, they sat down there till the daybreak, but being weary, they fell asleep. Thank you. Okay, how is the way described at the beginning of this passage? Different, right? It was rough. Rough. Their feet were tired. And their tender. feet were tired they were and discouraged. tender. They were discouraged. Very good. Anything else? I noted that they had wished for a better way, right? They're there and they're <laughs> they're hoping for a different way. So they wanted a better way, and they stopped following God to begin following vain confidence. Do we see that? They look over. Oh, look, that other path leads along the same way. Let's follow it. And then they see someone else going. And what does he say? Where does he say he's going to? Same place. Same place. And this happens multiple times to Christian throughout the story. There are multiple people that are going... A, a different way, but they say they're going to the celestial city. He's, he's duped a number of times <laughs> by this term or this response. Okay, where do you see a time in your life, even now, where you stop following God? You want a better way. You wish for a better way. You're discouraged because of the way. Your feet are hurting because of the rough, hard way. And we, sit, we say in our own hearts, I, I want something different. Can you write down a circumstance that you would like a better way or you want a more comfortable path now? We're not going to share these. I want you to think about it and write it down, please. Okay, Christian has a friend that's walking with him, right? Hopeful is walking with him. They're walking together. And 
When Christians suggest that they go out of the way, Hopeful is the one that gently cautions him. He's the younger believer, the younger Christian, and he says, are, are you sure we should do this? And Christian boldly says, yes. There are times where other believers may give us advice or encourage us in something that may not be the best way, the, the way that God has for us. Maybe they encourage us to get out of something that's hard or to, you know, there, I, even to disobey something we know God clearly says because God wants us happy or God wants you to be free or God wants the best for you. This can't be the best for you. So those are some things that are going on right here in this circumstance. And Christian's not willfully trying to harm hopeful, but it, it does become a harm, right? It becomes a harm to hopeful and to Christian, to both of them. So there are times where Christian brothers or sisters advise us to do something that might not be what God's word and God's ways have encouraged us to do. So our response when a Christian even a well-meaning Christian advises us to do something against God's word is to not listen to that believer. And sometimes that can be challenging. What if it's a family member or someone that's very close to you? A practical way we could apply this section is to follow God and his word over and above fellow believers, particularly when the fellow believer is leading us astray. But in this section... Hopeful doesn't quite understand that he's actually, he's a little tricked, right? He doesn't understand that he's being led astray. So there may be times where you're, you're not sure, but we do have God's word. And I wanted us to look up Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 as a practical way to remind ourselves. Whoever gets there first, would you raise your hand and you, you can read it? Please. Mm -hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So do not trust in your own understanding. Trust in the Lord and he will make our paths straight. But interestingly, sometimes there's a brother or sister that's given us wrong advice that we need to forgive like hopeful forgave Christian. What did Christian say about hopeful that was so picturesque of his character. He's a merciful friend, right? Because he quickly forgave him, of course. And you can see how Christian would think, I should really be the older one here. I, I, I led this brother astray, but hopeful forgives with such mercy. He's such a good friend. Is there a Christian brother or sister that you may need to forgive and be merciful to just like Christian was, or just like hopeful was to Christian? Write down something if you think of that. As we walk by the Spirit together, one response, just one from this section, is to trust God's word and his ways by walking through the rough places with dependence on God alone. Christian and hopeful were not necessarily to get out of those rough places, right? They had had the soft places before, and now this was a time for the rough places, and they... 
They were supposed to walk through that. We're going to see where them getting off the path leads them. There was a quote from Elizabeth Elliot I wanted to read because we're going to spend just a couple minutes expressing our dependence on God privately. But listen to this quote. Waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered question, lifting the heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon one's thoughts. So the circumstances you wrote down that you really would rather have an easier path or get out of, listen to this quote again. Waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered question, lifting the heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon one's thoughts. So I want to encourage us just for a minute, one of our responses to God when we're going through a trial is to depend on him in prayer. So take a couple minutes and do that privately by yourself. Lord, would you please hear our prayers? Okay, the next section we're going to look at is on page 94. And Heidi Hurley's going to come up and read about the way that leads to giant despair's doubting castle. Now there was, not far from the place where they lay, a castle called Doubting Castle, the owner whereof was Giant Despair, and it was in his grounds they now were sleeping. Wherefore he, getting up in the early morning and walking up and down in his fields, caught Christian and Hopeful asleep in his grounds. <clears throat> then they, they were, sorry, then with a grim and surly voice, he bid them awake and asked them whence they were, and what, did the, what they did in his grounds. They told him they were pilgrims and that they had lost their way. Then said the giant, you have this night trespassed upon me by trampling in and lying on my grounds, and therefore you must go along with me. So they were forced to go because he was, a he was stronger than they. They also had but little to say, for they knew themselves in a fault. The giant therefore drove them before him 
and put them into his castle, into a very dark dungeon, nasty and stinking to the spirits of these two men. <clears throat> Here then they lay from Wednesday morning until Saturday night, without one bit of bread or drop of drink or light or any to ask how they did. They were therefore here in evil case and were far from friends and acquaintance. Now in this place, Christian had double sorrow because twas through his unadvised counsel that they were brought into this distress. Now giant despair had a wife and her name was diffidence. So when he was gone to bed, he told his wife what he had done to wit that he had taken a couple of prisoners and cast them into his dungeon for trespassing on his grounds. Then he asked her also what he had best do further to them. So she asked him what they were, whence they came, and whether they were bound, and he told her. Then she counseled him that when he arose in the morning, he should beat them without mercy. So when he arose, he getteth him a grievous crabtree cudgel and goes down into the dungeon to them and there first falls to berating of them as if they were dogs, although they gave him never a word of distaste. Then he falls upon them and beats them fearfully in such sort that they were not able to help themselves or to turn them upon the floor. This done, he withdraws and leaves them there to condole their misery and to mourn under their distress. So all that day they spent the time in nothing but sighs and bitter lamentations. The next night, she talking with her husband further about them and understanding that they were yet alive, did advise him to counsel them to make away themselves. So when morning was come, he goes to them in a surly manner as before and perceiving them to be very sore with the stripes that he had given them the day before, he told them that since they were never like to come out of that place, their only way would be forthwith to make an end of themselves either with knife, halter, or poison. For why, he said, should you choose to live, seeing it is attended with so much bitterness? But they desired him to let them go. With that, he looked ugly upon them, and rushing to them had doubtless made an end of, the, of them himself, but that he fell into one of his fits, for he sometimes, in sunshiny weather, fell into fits, and lost for a time the use of his hands, wherefore he withdrew and left them as before to consider what to do. Then did the prisoners consult between themselves whether twas best to take his counsel or not, and thus they began to discourse. Brother, said Christian, what shall we do? The life that we now live is miserable. For my part, I know not whether it is best to live thus or to die out of, out of hand. My soul chooses, chooseth strangling rather than life, and the grave is more easy for me than this dungeon. Shall we be ruled by the giant? Hopeful. Indeed, our present condition is dreadful, and death would be far more welcome to me than thus forever to abide. But yet let us consider the Lord of the country to which we are going, hath said, Thou shalt do no murder. No, not to another man's person, much more than are we forbidden to take his counsel to kill ourselves. Besides, he that kills another can but commit murder upon his body, but for one to kill himself is to kill body and soul at once. And moreover, my brother, thou talkest of ease in the grave, but hast thou forgotten the hell whither for certain the murderers go? For no murderer hath eternal life, etc. And let us consider again that all the law is not in the hand of giant despair. Others, so far as I can understand, 
have been taken by him as well as we, and yet have escaped out of his hands? Who knows but that God, who made the world, may cause that giant despair to may die, or that at some time or other he may forget to lock us in, or that he may in a short time have another of his fits before us and may lose the use of his limbs. And if ever that should come to pass again, for my part, I am resolved to pluck up the heart of a man and to try my utmost to get from under his hand. I was a fool that I did not try to do it before. But however, my brother, let us be patient and endure a while. The time may come that may give us a happy release, but let us not be our own murderers. And with these words, hopeful at present did moderate the mind of his brother. So they continued together in the dark that day in their sad and doleful condition. Okay, so where are Christian and Hopeful? In the dungeon of despair. Who's captured them? Giant despair has captured them. Name some things that happen to Christian and Hopeful while they are in the Doubting Castle or Giant Despair's Doubting Castle. Name some things that you heard or noticed. Starved and beaten. Encouraged to kill themselves. Dark, no light, right? There's no light. They could see no way out. They could see no way out. They had regret about the bad decision that had gotten them there. They had no food, no water. They were far from friends, right? There was no one to ask how they did. There was nobody that was concerned about them. When has your life seemed like you're stuck as a prisoner in the Doubting Castle? You may say, no one understands me, right? Nobody, nobody cares. It doesn't seem light out. There's nothing to look at. I'm, 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 I'm beaten down. Maybe you feel like you need to end your life. There's, there's extra sorrow because maybe you've led someone astray like Christian had. Would anybody want to share a time when they've been in a place like Doubting Castle? It is helpful that this is a real thing. <laughs> we can say Christians doubt. And sometimes it feels like a prison. I think this is a good word picture. Does anybody else relate to this? I think it's helpful to even think about, you know, I mean, he wrote this almost 400 years ago, and it sounds so familiar, but it wasn't new in 1670 
you know, there had been 1,600 years of Christ's followers experiencing similar things. And just that remembering that it, we feel alone, but we're in good company. Like that is a truth we have to discipline ourselves to remember, even though it doesn't feel that way. I think there are times where when I have sinned, maybe multiple times in a row or multiple days in a row, there are seasons of I doubt and think, God, I don't know if I'm even yours. And I mean, I, I know some of you have been believers longer than me, but I think 20 some years, and I'm, there's still times where I think, am I really yours because I've done all of these things? And I mean, I, I think I feel stuck there's, there's not light. And it's sometimes multiple days. And you think you're never going to get out of that castle. Now I'm fighting being open and honest because no one wants to show their ugly side, especially to their Christian sisters. Um, but... I totally can see how the enemy will lie to you, even with truth, that you got yourself there. And continually, even through scripture, I've had uh, the thought, he who is born of God no longer sins, uh, thrown at me in times of, of despair. And I think uh, it's easy to read something like this and think about maybe other people going through something worse than you or you notice they're in despair and you want to help them and that's wonderful but to not um, maybe lessen the um, the seriousness of your own situation um, I know with myself uh, I struggle my struggle is with overeating I just struggle with it I run to it when I'm stressed out and um it's so easy in this country to do that, <laughs> um, to make yourself feel better with good tasting foods and delicacies. And um, we're taking this course, Pilgrim's Progress, with Derek Thomas um, uh, on Ligonier Connect. And he mentions that John Bunyan loved food. He absolutely loved food. And his uh, wife would bring him some in prison. And um, so the things that he describes throughout the book, he talks about delicacies. But um, with me, it's been something that I've kind of pushed aside, like, well, it's not that big of a deal. And yet, there is time. There are times where I have been in the dungeon of despair, of giant, giant despair's castle, um, feeling like there's no, there's, there's no way out. So I'm, I'm just laying myself bare for you all. It is a hard struggle, but the, the encouraging thing is to hear. That there is a way out and the fact that we can beat ourselves up with the truth that we did get ourselves there but praise God he is forgiven and even when we are faced with the truth that we have been here before many 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 times and we try to make God kind of in our own image and say well if it was me 
I'm, I'd be tired of this person sinning over and over again. But he's not like us. Mm -hmm. And praise God, he has set us free. Every Sunday we come and sing these incredible hymns of truth that sin has been crushed and we ultimately will have the victory. Um, even on the way here, I was listening to Afflicted Soul. It's um, uh, from Song of Praise Music. I, I, I know I've heard it before. We might have even sang it here. Um, but to trust in the Lord and that uh, so will our days, our strength will be that the Lord will continue to pour out grace and forgiveness and do not stay in Giant's Castle. Um, and we're going to find out how he, can, he gets out here, so I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> he does get out. Janet? Or, no, yes. um, so I've had some pretty hard times physically and emotionally, and mostly from my brokenness over sin. I called it my season of silence, where I just was so broken over my sin and the relationships I lost with my family and friends that I just was in despair. And I just couldn't talk to anybody. I just had to rely on God, and he brought me out of that. He was so faithful. But it was hard, and it was hard to talk to people who were going through that. But to, once you've been through it and you know that God is there for you, um, you can give people all the encouragement because he is always there. But it is hard to talk to people sometimes um, in church and, you know, for sometimes shiny happy people are here on Sunday, but some of us are having really hard times and are broken. What do you see as Hopeful's response? I love how it says on 96 in the middle of the page, with these words, Hopeful at present did moderate the mind of his brother. So they continued together in the dark that day in their sad and doleful condition. Their condition has not changed at all. It is still dark and doleful and sad. But Hopeful's words moderate the mind of Christian. Isn't that interesting? So Christian's like, spiraling, right? What are some, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's thinking about killing himself. I mean, they've only been there a little while. And Christian is ready to give up and take his own life. And what are some of the things that Hopeful reminds him of? It's on 96. Say it again. What the Bible says about that. What the Bible says about that, yes. Do not take your own life, thou shalt do no murder. What else? The law is not in the hand of the giant. The giant doesn't rule. What else? Yeah, kind of backing up on that, Lena, he says, should we consider the, the ruler of the celestial city? He kind of says, oh wait, but what about the Lord? You know? Wait, I forgot. Hold on. Think about him. Right. Think about the Lord of the country, right? He says, let us be patient and endure a while. Be patient and endure a while. And it might be a long while, but you have to keep reminding your own heart and others to endure a while. And not take matters not take matters into our own hands. 
you see how you could, I mean, you, you could, or Bible verses coming to your mind of, okay, I, I'm making this connection. That this is not out of the Bible. I mean, this is, this is scripture speaking that through these, through these sentences and through Hopeful's words to Christian, he reminds him to trust in God's sovereignty, consider the Lord's words, be patient, be ready to endure. What are some words that you give to your own heart or to others to endure when death seems better than life? Can you think of a passage or a word? Just that verse, you have need of endurance. Uh, that reminds me, uh, God says, I need this. Just that need of endurance. The Lord says we need it. It's not just good advice. It's not just psychology, but it's a need. God is building endurance into me mm -hmm. through the trial. Okay. What else? I continually oh. go to Psalm 119.68. It's one of my favorites, and it just says that he is good and he does good. He, God, is good and does good. Myra? I was just thinking of like Christ and Paul and several you know, instances where they said they endured because of that hope set before them. You know, they, they didn't put their sights on the circumstances, they put their sights on the hope that was set before them. Good, the hope that was set before them. Maybe one more, two more, three more. I think sometimes uh, I struggle a lot in the morning uh, because I have thyroid issues, and but I, I have very morose thoughts, and so I struggle with this too, wanting to just go to heaven. Uh, and uh, so one of the verses that really helps me is Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so I just try to go back. Don't focus on the dying is gain part. <laughs> but just try to then live a gospel-centered life and a focus on Christ and Brett's teaching about listening to Jesus has really been helpful as well. Um, and then I like this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, actually, it's Tozer, but she quotes Tozer, but it's, when I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. Um, I was thinking that in, in my life, I've listened to my own despair or anger or the voices of myself and reiterating it and going over it and bringing it up again. And that's wrong. And it's something that has to be cut and have to go to scripture and replace it. So I'm just thinking in terms of just taking out those thoughts that are distracting. I know I have been in situations that, you know, I have been in despair. I've been into many psychiatric hospitals and through um, growing in Christ, I realized that 
you know, you have to take yourself off. You have to take the focus off yourself. And with this, um, the preaching of um, Hebrews has taught me that um, to not to listen to what I think I know, but always listening to what scripture points to. And it has um, just really helped me um, grow with Christ, and I'm just so thankful. Okay, we've got two more passages. We're going to do them quick. Let's go. Amy, can you come up? There she is. We're going to read 96 to the bottom of 97. Well, towards the evening, the giant goes down into the dungeon again to see if his prisoners had taken his counsel. But when he came there, he found them alive, and truly alive was all. For now, what for want of bread and water, and by reason of the wounds they received when he beat them, they could do little but breathe. But I say, he found them alive, at which he fell into a grievous rage and told them, that seeing that they had disobeyed his counsel, it should be worse with them than if they had never been born. At this they trembled greatly, and I think that Christian fell into a swoon. But coming a little to himself again, they renewed their discourse about the giant's counsel, and whether yet they had best take it or no. Now again, now Christian again seemed foredoing it, but hopeful made his second reply as followeth, hopeful. My brother, said he, rememberest thou not how valiant thou hast been heretofore? Apollyon could not crush thee, nor could all that thou didst hear or see or feel in the valley of the shadow of death. What hardship, terror, and amazement hast thou already gone through, and art thou now nothing but fears? Thou seest that I am in the dungeon with thee, a far weaker man by nature than thou art. Also, this giant hath wounded me as well as thee, and hath also cut off the bread and water from my mouth, and with thee I mourn without the light. But let us exercise a little more patience. Remember how thou playedest the man at Vanity Fair, and wast neither afraid of the chain nor cage, nor yet of bloody death. Wherefore, let us, at least to avoid the shame that it becomes not a Christian to be found in, Bear up with patience as well as we can. Now night being come again, and the giant and his wife being in bed, she asked him concerning the prisoners, and if they had taken his counsel. To which he replied, They are sturdy rogues. They chose rather to bear all hardships than to make away with themselves. Then said she, Take them into their castle yard tomorrow, and show them the bones and skulls of those that thou hast already dispatched, and make them believe. Ere a week comes to an end, thou wilt tear them in pieces, as thou hast done their fellows before them. So when morning was come, the giant goes to them again, and takes them into the castle yard, and shows them as his wife had bidden them, him. These, said he, were pilgrims, as you are once, and they trespassed on my grounds as you have done. And when I fit, thought fit, I tore them in pieces, and so within ten days I will do you. Get you down to your den, prison, again. And with that, he beat them all the way thither. 
They lay therefore all day on Saturday in a lamentable case as before. Now when night was come, and when Mrs. Diffidence and her husband the giant was got to bed, they began to renew their discourse of the prisoners. And withal the old giant wondered that he could neither by his blows nor counsel bring them to an end. And with that his wife replied, I fear, said she, that they live in hopes that some will come to relieve them, or that they have picklocks about them by the means of which they hope to escape. And sayest thou so, my dear, said the giant, I will therefore search them in the morning. Okay, this section is similar to the one we just read, but one question I had for you. What are some of Hopeful's words again to Christian for encouragement? They're different than the first set of words. What do you see? He reminded him of God's faithfulness in the past. He reminded him of God's faithfulness in the past. Jan? He encouraged him in that Christian is the stronger of the two, and yet Hopeful is also suffering and ready to endure, right? Christian's the stronger one, and Hopeful's there with him. Maybe. What else? If you haven't read the book yet, uh, when he mentions, Apollyon could not crush thee, nor could all that thou didst hear, see, or feel in the valley of the shadow of death. None of those things that seemed terrible to Christian before crushed him or caused him to want to die. Even when he faced death, true death in Vanity Fair, where they had talked about killing him, he didn't flinch. So Hopeful is reminding Christian of past victories, of, of, of things he's seen Christian be faithful in before. Do you see how that's a picture of us walking together? In the spirit, we can look at each other and say, Michelle, do you remember when I saw you respond faithfully? Carol, do you remember when this happened and I saw you respond faithfully? Heidi, do you remember when? I mean, we're talking to each other and reminding each other, you can make it through this. God will be with you. He was in this circumstance or that circumstance. That's a way that we're practically working out walking together, right? It's not alone, it's not by yourself, it's together. So I want you, as a response here, to think on and speak encouraging words to our hearts and others. One way to practice this is to write down a time in the past that you've been victorious or resolved to stand firm by Christ and his grace. Where have you seen his faithfulness to you and made it through the trial? You don't have to share these. I just want you to practice it. Okay, and then to apply doing this together with one another... One response that we could have is to think on and speak encouraging words to others. So in your little packet, you got a note card. I'd like you to pick one person in our body at Summit Woods, either a man or a woman that you know, 
who is doubting or is struggling to stand firm for Christ. And I want you to write that person's name down on the front of that envelope and go home and write a note to them, reminding them just like Hopeful did of God's sovereignty, of God's faithfulness, and maybe past victories or circumstances where you have seen that person stand firm before. So you're actually practicing what we've seen hopeful do to Christian, and that will encourage them. And I'd like to encourage you to give them that note tomorrow. Okay, last section, and it's short. Haley, would you mind coming up and reading page 98? We're almost done. Well, on Saturday, about midnight, they began to pray and continued in prayer to almost break of day. Now, a little before it was day, good Christian, as one half amazed, break out into this passionate speech. What a fool, quoth he, am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then, said Hopeful, that is good news, good brother, pluck it out of thy bosom and try. Then Christian pulled it out of his bosom and began to try at the dungeon door, whose bolt, as he turned the key, gave back, and the door flew open with ease, and Christian and Hopeful both came out. Then he went to the outward door that leads into the castle yard, and with his key opened that door also. After, he went to the iron gate, for that must be opened too. But that lock went damnable hard, yet the key did open it. They then thrust open the gate to make their escape with speed. But that gate, as it opened, made such a creaking that it waked giant despair, who hastily, rising to pursue his prisoners, felt his limbs to fail, for his fits took him again, so that he could by no means go after them. Then they went on and came to the king's highway, and so were safe because they were out of his jurisdiction. Now, when they were gone over the stile, they began to contrive with themselves what they should do at that stile to prevent those that shall come after from falling into the hands of giant despair. So they consented to erect there a pillar into a grave upon the side thereof. This sentence, over the stile is the way to Doubting Castle, which is kept by giant despair, who despiseth the king of the celestial country and seeks to destroy his holy pilgrims. Many, therefore, that followed after read what was written and escaped the danger. This done, they sang as follows. Out of the way we went, and then we found what twas to tread upon forbidden ground. And let them that come after have a care, lest heedlessness makes them as we to fare. Lest they for trespassing his prisoners are, whose castles doubting and whose names despair. How does this section begin? They're praying. They're praying. This, so this evening is different than the times before, right? They're beginning to pray at midnight. I think it's interesting, Saturday night, right before the Lord's Day, as soon as the Lord's Day dawns, they're praying. And they continue almost all night until the break of day. What are some ways that you have prayed while you've been up all night?
Christy? Well, I've prayed both ways. Just wipe it out, take it away. And I've prayed and help me respond the way you want me to respond. Help me to respond in a way that would honor you. Yes. I've prayed both ways, but mm -hmm. hopefully we, as you go through your walk, you learn more to pray. Help me to respond to this. and Because so often it's not that we're supposed to just get out of it. Mm -hmm. He has something there for us in what we seem to think is a mess. But he has something there for us to polish us, to refine us. So I've prayed both ways. That okay. Take it away and make me re help me respond to you the way I'm supposed to. Right. Who else? How have you prayed? Maybe you haven't been up all night yet. <laughs> it will come. Dan? Just that at times I don't understand why I'm going through a trial, but I know that God does, and it's for my good and his glory. So I just ask for him to reveal to me what I'm supposed to be learning or gaining or doing to get through it. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? I do not have trustful thoughts in the middle of the night, so I just find oh, I just find that um, I I just often just have to recite scripture because my prayers are not in the middle of the night. That is when I'm in despair and I'm praying very selfishly or out of fear, which I, I mean, which I know we do that, but I find that my most hopeful prayers are when I can just recite. Um, Honestly, even if it's a verse that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm struggling with, mm -hmm. just to re, let me think of something other than this that is so big right now that it's, you know, it's robbing me of my sleep and my trust. And so um, Psalm 23 is one that I love. And um, honestly, just any verse that you can think of, even if it doesn't necessarily pertain to whatever my okay. struggle is. I put down praying through the church directory, right? I mean, it has nothing to do with my trial, but someone else is going through a trial too, probably. And I also put, in the middle of the night, there are other Christians awake on the other side of the world. You know, I don't even know their names, but so you're, 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 you're taking your mind off yourself and praying for, for others. Okay, so what day is it now in our passage? Sunday? Which I think is significant. He picked this for a reason. Why did he say Wednesday through Saturday night? They're in the dungeon. We knew Bunyan was a preacher. He preached on Sundays. They didn't have Saturday night service, right? It was the Lord's Day was significant. And that's when Christian remembers the promise. The promise that he's had the whole time. He had the key the whole time. So it's the Lord's Day. So one practical way we can apply this is how are you exposing yourself to the promises of God's word on Sundays? Even when your circumstances haven't changed, they're still in Doubting Castle. Their circumstances haven't changed. But they're praying and they're recognizing that they have the word, how are you exposing yourself to God's promises on Sundays? 
Have you ever felt like you don't want to come to church? <laughs> come to church even when you don't feel like it and you're sick and you're tired and you don't want to look at anybody. Come to church. I am the pastor's wife and there are times where I don't want to come to church. And I make myself come to church and someone ministers to me or a song does or the middle hymn does or the, the elder's prayer or the word. God is so faithful. Okay, last question. What is the warning we read about from Christian and Hopeful about Giant's Despair's Doubting Castle, and why should we avoid it at all costs? What is the warning that they give? That's forbidden ground. It's forbidden ground. Go into it, right? Be careful not to go that direction. They walked right up to the castle, right, where they fell asleep and were taken. The warning, too, is that the doubting castle, which is kept by giant despair, he despises the king of the celestial country, and he seeks to destroy his holy pilgrims. Doubting Castle is not for us. It's to destroy us. So in the middle of the night, when we think, oh, it would be better without me on this earth, that is a lie to destroy us. I think it's helpful that they were saying, I mean, just after they had gone, it wasn't like they were just going to go on their way. They were like, how can we prevent others from going this way? That was just a really we can encourage others not to go down that direction, right? Okay, we're going to end with um, a prayer because that's one of the ways that Christian and Hopeful responded. They prayed all night long. And this is from the Valley Vision that we've given out before. If you don't have one, I have some extras that I'd love to give out, so come see me afterwards. And this prayer is called Journeying On. And we'll close with this. Thank you for staying a couple of extra minutes. Journeying On. Lord of the cloud and fire, I am a stranger with a stranger's indifference. My hands hold a pilgrim staff. My march is Zionward. My eyes are toward the coming of the Lord. My heart is in thy hands without reserve. Thou hast created it, redeemed it, renewed it, captured it, and conquered it. Keep from it every opposing foe. Crush in it every rebel lust. Rebel lust. Mortify every treacherous passion. Annihilate every earthborn desire. All faculties of my being vibrate to thy touch. I love thee with soul, mind, body, strength, might, spirit, affection, will, desire, intellect, understanding. Thou art the very perfection of all perfections. 
All intellect is derived from thee. My scanty rivulets flow from thy unfathomable fountain. Compared with thee, the sun is darkness, all beauty deformity, all wisdom folly, the best goodness faulty. Thou art worthy of an adoration greater than my dull heart can yield. Invigorate my love that it may rise worthily to thee, tightly entwine itself around me and be allured by thee. Then shall my walk be endless praise. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. And we'll see you in February or tomorrow. <laughs> Come to church tomorrow.